0: This is Robert Mirdlatchi, the Mindshare Learning Report, Canada's Learning and Technology eMagazine, and welcome to This Week in Canadian EdTech, special edition, where we're giving you a sneak peek into what to expect at the 12th Canadian EdTech International Leadership Summit, October 27th and 28th online. We're honored to have joined us today for a Mindshare learning moment, two legends in education, global legends, I'll say at that, Dr. Sugata Mitra, who is a computer scientist, educational theorist, and author of The Hole in the Wall and School in the Cloud. He is a retired uh, professor emeritus at of educational technology at Newcastle University in the UK, earlier visiting professor at MIT Media Labs. Sugata likes building labs. Here are some of the things he's done over time uh, you know the hole in the wall uh, project Electro ministry lab uh in 1984 he created the technology lab in the united india periodicals in delhi he's currently building a robot he is one of the most sought after speakers globally uh tedx uh speaker award winner and uh, we're thrilled to have Sugata with us he was awarded the first ever million dollar ted prize and built and studied uh, seven schools uh, in the cloud his vision of the future of learning stephen cox is the ceo of osris education Uh, he is also based in the uk stephen is the orchestrator behind the global education summit that uh, he will touch on Uh, I'm sure, no doubt, we were honoured to partner with them. They are one of the leading providers of professional learning in the UK. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today um, in these most interesting times.
1: And lovely to meet everyone out there as well. So thank you, Robert.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Robert. So uh, a sneak peek at what to expect. We're thrilled to have you joining us uh, at our 12th Canadian International EdTech Leadership summit, Um, most challenging times we've been immersed in. What's on your mind, Sugata, beyond uh, this crisis of uh, COVID that uh, we're in?
2: Well, you know, um, like everyone else, uh, I was very concerned when the pandemic hit, uh, when everything closed in 2020. the education system closed down all over the world. And then uh, we started getting used to some other stuff. We started getting used to talking like this. I mean, I'm, I'm talking over the internet. Um, uh, schools started to operate over the internet. Teachers started to operate over the internet. And then we got used to the pandemic. We invented vaccines and everything. and And then people said, Well, now, when we go back to normal, and I thought, hold on, what does that mean? Uh, You mean Zoom and stuff like that, and uh, this platform we are using right now, these things are not normal then. When we go back to normal, I would have had to uh, catch a plane and travel for 10 hours in an aluminium cylinder to Canada and then got into a taxi and into a hotel. And yes, that was very normal. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm not sure I want to go back to normal. And anyway, we can't go back in time. So that's the the genesis of how uh, this uh, conversation uh, began. You know?
0: Thank you for sharing. Um, You know, Dr. Stephen Jordan is a psychology professor at the University of Toronto, who lectures on well-being and mindset. He's also a net tech startup. Uh, entrepreneur talks about avoiding the great snapback, um, you know, to the way it was that we need to continue to push forward and, you know, through and really take the best of the best, what worked, you know, and I, I think there needs to be perhaps more research and efficacy around, you know, the past couple of years, if I was to do a PhD, that would be one fascinating project over to you, Stephen, for your thoughts.
1: Yeah, so it's fascinating in terms of what has changed. The World Education Summit wouldn't have been possible without the the changes of COVID. So uh, we are viruses, we're full of viruses, and this is another virus, the millions and millions of them, and we're gonna live with those anyway and integrate into them. So it's, it's understanding what are the strengths that come out of this as well as you know the the hazardness. And I think one of the elements was disengagement of students, which I think there were certain students that were disengaging that we weren't expecting to disengage, and the, the question comes why did they disengage at this point but there were other students who were engaging more just as a direct result of it being more digital more efficient and more the way they wanted it so I mean that would be one of your theses I would have thought straight away I think there's a second element here as well is what can digital bring which face-to-face can't bring and we're starting to discover that in some of the programs in the way that we're working at the moment there seems to be an ability to get a greater honesty and depth when people um, are acting in front of other people, they're not kind (laughs) of, they they behave in the way that they're expected to. Whereas when they're behaving digitally, there seems to be something a bit more, um, you can understand them a lot more and they're a bit braver with their answers and the way that they uh, struggle on things. And so learning then starts to come to the fore. I think a third thing, which I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated with is this whole collective. Where does collective now take us? What does it mean when we can start um cooperating across the world so when an event like this happens you can have people from anywhere in the world robert and it's not just what's happening in canada although that's really important and connecting that together it's what's happening right across the world and was doing with in india what does that mean in canada and what can that mean and how can we take that forward so that collective and how do we uh, build that collective uh, intelligence as well to me is absolutely fascinating
0: absolutely dr maitre uh, you wrote a book, uh, um, school in the cloud. It came of age just before the pandemic and, you know, how do we, what, what, what are the learnings that we can take from this into the future? Perhaps? Well, I mean, I, I always, we talk uh, about future-proofing learning. That's mm-hmm. the theme and focus of our
2: summit, right? Well, you know, I mean, it's, uh. It's kind of amusing, actually, because I ran into all of this uh, almost 20 years ago through a little experiment, which many people know. It's called The Hole in the Wall. And it was just a curiosity. And my findings were that children can learn things by themselves if they work with each other and with the internet. It's kind of totally obvious right now. It wasn't back then. Everybody said, yeah, learn by themselves. And that's not how learning works. Learning works with a teacher inside a classroom, etc., etc. Anyway, so years passed. I wrote a book called The Hole in the Wall, just saying, well, this is what I did, and this is what I saw. Years passed, and of all people, Nicholas Negroponte called me to the MIT and said, come to the Media Lab. And I said, what for? He said, because you did the the hole-in-the-wall experiment, and you did it 20 years ahead of its time. So I said, well, it was a pure accident, Nicholas. I'm sorry. I'm sorry it was so ahead of time. But you know, so anyway, I landed up in MIT. I wrote another book. It was called Beyond the Hole in the Wall. And Nicholas wrote the preface. I'm very proud of that. He wrote a wonderful preface saying, this guy is talking about what is to come, and then I won this prize, you know, the TED prize, and then I built, uh, I used up all, all that money building seven uh, schools in the cloud, as they're called. Anyway, these are spaces. Congratulations! Where, well, thanks. Uh, these are spaces where children sort of take charge of their learning; they learn by themselves. That's not, uh, I wrote another book. It's called "The School in the Cloud," and I was lucky again. The preface to that book was written by Professor John Hattie. And I said, gosh, this these are you know these prefaces are probably worth more than the books themselves. But anyhow, what did both of them say? Both of them said there's a new kind of learning that's staring us in the face, which we are not accepting until 2019. And then the virus came along and did in 20 months. What I couldn't and what none of us could in the last twenty years—it shut the system down and it showed us how else it can be done. That's the story. It's it's a, it's an amazing story. It's sci-fi in real life. You know, I'm just a tiny player in that who happens to have been in. Those places where I perhaps shouldn't have been uh, before all this happened, and so now people come and say, "So, so what do? You, what did you find?" And I would say, "Well, it's there in the books. It's there in the published literature. It's there in the research." And yes, if you if you take me to some children, I can show you how the new education works.
0: Fascinating, Stephen. You are a national international instigator of thought leadership around education with your world education summit you pulled together an incredible number of leaders that wouldn't have happened in the past um through the internet so we've got uh, a very animated space here today with lots going on in our workspace uh but um you you brought together some 35 40,000 education and industry leaders to envision what's happening now and in the future of education um and you wouldn't have been able to do it without uh without the internet and it would the timing's everything fascinating yeah it's MFH. amazing <laughs> amazing. It's amazing
1: how, as Segata said, you you know, luck creates itself. All you can do is keep dragging yourself to a crossroads and then see what happens. But I think you know, to pick up on what Segata was saying, I think we spent an awful long time in education concentrating on teaching and teachers, and you know, rightly so. We pay teachers to be teachers, and you know, that that's part of it. However, what we're finding, and this was coming through, and it comes through Segata's work, it comes through John Hattie's work, is that we're spending kind of eighty percent, ninety percent of our time concentrating on teaching, the giving, if you like, and the giving out, what we haven't been focusing on is the learning and the learner development. And such a small amount is going into that. And that's probably one of the biggest realizations of this kind of pandemic. And so that was easy for us to make that the center of the World Education Summit and collect together the professors who are working in that field together with the practitioners but we we've just done the uh, largest ever survey of learning actually with 26,000 pupils just to find out well you know dig right into what do we mean by that learning and the results are quite fascinating in terms of what teachers perceive learning is and how that works but how the learners are perceiving that learning and it seems no doubt that the learners have very high expectations of themselves however our understanding of learning is only in its infancy and that's the bit we really want to get growing yeah, so
0: absolutely I mean, the notion of Uh, Co-learning, self-learning, you know, uh, there's uh, all kinds of emerging models that we see, um, but we don't want to give it all away. They've got to come to the summit to learn more. Having said that, that, I really want to ask you both. Dr. Mitra, what gives you hope for the future?
2: Well, uh... You know, it's a a question I uh, find difficult, not so much to answer as to understand, because what do we mean by a hope for the future? A hope for what? You know, what I'm worried about is that I hope that we don't hope for a world as it existed 50 years ago. Unfortunately, many people in my generation feel that way, perhaps unconsciously, but they they don't even verbalize it. But you keep hearing them say, like, you know, it was like this, when it Mm. was normal, when it was right, uh, etc. So I'm not going to say, what are my hopes for the future? I'm going to say what should we not be hoping for the future? We should not hope that our children will be prepared for the world that we have left behind. I do hope that we will prepare them for the world that they will build for themselves, and about which we know nothing
0: at all. Thank you for that. And preparing them for their future, not our future, for what's to come, right? That's right. So, uh, Stephen Cox,
1: yeah, so children, well, it's it's that childhood element, even in teachers, it's the flexibility that they maintain as learners and that we should as adults. So keep challenging ourselves. I love the Japanese expression, the older you get, the more that you should learn. And it's just understanding what does that mean? How are we becoming learners? And by staying as learners, we become more flexible. So let's get less rigid in the way that we're prescribing education and think much more about what education can actually achieve and that gift of learning for everyone i hate the fact that so many learners leave school and never want to learn again and it's 30 20 or 15 years later before they'll revisit themselves as learners because the experience had quite a negative impact on them for everyone it should be an exploration i hate the fact that half the lawyers in this half the people who train as lawyers never gone to practice law you're thinking why did they do law in the first place and then half that did wish they'd never done it. And you're thinking, well, these are like the most talented and we haven't really explored them and helped them explore what learning means and what, what life potential offers them. So that learning bit for me and everyone being the learners, the children, the adults, the whole system and the processes.
0: Fascinating times. Um, and it, it really, uh, speaks to, um, the evolution of uh, our society and You know, you know, learning is beyond the classroom, learning is in the community and there's so much to unpack at this upcoming summit as we strive to move beyond the crisis to future proofing. And and I'm so grateful to have the two of you join me today to provide a sneak peek and look ahead to October 27th and 28th uh, for our Canadian International EdTech Leadership Summit. And Stephen, your event is happening online globally as well in March, sometime.
1: Sure, we're March twenty-first to the twenty-fourth, so that's four days of uh, yeah, the putting learning right at the centre of what's happening.
0: And Dr. Mitra, your books, your books, multiple books are available on Amazon uh, as well. Wh- which your which one is your latest
2: book? Well, actually, the latest book is a tiny book. It's, it's, uh, you know, just about 50 or 60 pages long. It's called Virus versus the Internet. And it talks directly to parents and teachers. And it simply says, these are the things you could try. These are the things you could do with Brilliant. the internet and with your children. So it's really a sort of a hands-on uh, kind of book. That's the latest one. But uh, about the, the the future of learning itself is my book. We published it with Corwin USA, right. which is called The School in the Cloud. So oh, I,
0: I can't wait to get a hold of that one. Uh, thank you for your, your time, your thought leadership, your passion to make an impact on the global scale, gentlemen.
1: Thank you. Uh, best of luck with the conference and everyone who goes there. Thank,
0: Thank you. very yeah. Stay safe, Absolutely. gentlemen. That was Dr. Sugata Mitra and Stephen Cox, who will be presenting at the upcoming 12th Canadian International Tech Leadership Summit, October 27th and 28th. My name is Robert Mirdlatchi, the Mindshare Learning For Be sure to check out MindShare Learning to get your latest issue. And until next time, stay healthy, stay safe, and keep the learning curve steep.